0: From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made with a letter. When Kathy Sable Jansen opened an envelope from the city of Rochester, she was surprised to see what she called a pretty big jump in the assessed value of her home. Sable Jansen lives on Furnace Crescent in the Highland Park neighborhood. When she and her husband purchased their house in 2017, they paid $209,000, which was in line with the current assessed value. But with the reassessment, the preliminary value listed in the letter from the city, the number had jumped from 209 to $425,000, more than double the, the recent value. And with that came a projected property tax increase of potentially more than $1,100. Sable Jansen shared all of this with our WXXI colleague, Gino Finelli, who has been reporting on the city's reassessment process, along with WXXI Investigations and Enterprise editor, Brian Sharp. Sable Jansen is just one of... Of many Rochester residents who have experienced some sicker shock with this process, our colleagues have created an interactive map on the WXXI website where you can see the assessments and their projected increase and the change in home value in each of the city's 130 assessment areas. And according to Gino's reporting, Preliminary residential property assessments in the city increased by an average of about 68%. That would add more than $3 billion to the city's tax base. Four members of Rochester City Council have expressed concerns about the possible tax impact, so they've called for a pause to the reassessment process. But as representatives from the city will tell us this hour, a higher assessment doesn't necessarily or automatically mean higher taxes. In fact, in some cases, taxes could stay stable, some could decrease. There's a lot involved with the process. It is rather complex, starting with understanding how recent home sales in a neighborhood affect assessments. As we've reported across WXXI platforms, Rochester's booming housing market has seen significant increases in the prices of homes since 2018. According to city records, prices have gone up nearly 70% in that time. We've covered it on this program. So this hour and assessments 101 of sorts, we discuss how the process works, the possible impact it will have on homeowners and the city, and what you ought to know, and there's a lot here. And let me say from the outset, as I've told our guests here in studio here. Uh, We don't censor phone calls. We're not going to censor if you've got strong opinions either way on this. Um, But what we do want to do is be productive this hour. Um, Some people will be very happy to see the assessment come in. Some will not. And some have told Brian Sharp and Gino Finelli as much. And some may just have questions about why it has moved in the direction or just what some of the underlying fundamentals are. What we want you to do is emerge from this hour with a better understanding of the process, a better understanding of if you've got questions or want to challenge how to do that, and what is the next weeks and months are going to entail as the city goes throughout this process. And let me welcome our guest here, Gino Finelli, City Hall Reporter for WXXI News. Always happy to have you here. Thank you for being here, mm, sir. Thanks for having me. Also with us in studio, Mike Cesara is Assessor for the City of Rochester. Hi, Mike. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: The Deputy Assessor is Enzaminio, who is a yeah, Deputy Assessor for the city. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Suzanne Warren is the Budget Director for the City of Rochester. Suzanne, thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you as well.
0: And Angela Rollins is the director of the Office of Financial Empowerment at the City of Rochester. Angela is on the line with us. Thanks for being with us, Angela. Thank you. I think everyone's roles are pretty well defined, Angela, but do you want to explain a little bit about what the Office of Financial Empowerment is?
3: Sure. So the Office of Financial Empowerment is really here for any resident who might be either facing a financial hardship and might benefit from something like financial counseling or who is trying to start a business or get into a position to purchase their first
0: home. Okay. And, and, and how does your work tie into the conversation this hour?
3: Yeah, so I think it's really important to know. Um, you know, you're going to hear from everyone about kind of the the very nitty gritty of the reassessment. But for us, it's, if anyone does find themselves in financial hardship, our office does offer free one-on-one financial counseling through a partnership with Consumer Credit Counseling. And our financial counselors are really here to help folks look at their budgets if those are going to be have to substantially change. Um, and really connect them to any resources that might be available in the community.
0: All right. Well, let me start with Gino Finelli for a bit of an overview on some of the reporting in case our listeners have missed it. What's been going on, Gino?
4: So, yeah, um, the impetus for this reporting is, you know, the last full assessment was in uh, 2020. Um, I reported on it then, and at that time we saw about a 19% increase across the city. So, this is the next full one and it's kind of bread and butter investigative reporting where we want to piece this out and um, we finally got the documents that showed um, each individual assessment area what the increases were and what we found was that every area of the city went up Um, the lowest was in uh, the northern tip of Charlotte um, some really large houses up there that's 17% and then in Beechwood you had 136% uh, increases so we thought it would be good to demonstrate, you know, what these actually look like, how much each area of the city went up, and kind of uh, go into, um, you know, what the dynamics are there. We know very well that anyone who has looked to buy a house in the city of Rochester or sold their house knows that uh, their house is probably going to sell for a lot more than asking price. This has been a hot market here for the past couple of years. I think these numbers actually tangibly show what is changing here, and that. These homes have, that a lot of them in places of the city like Markview Heights or Beechwood that have long been you can call it undervalued or very very affordable have gone up significantly in that time and it's almost like a barometer sense of you know what the housing market is in Rochester.
0: Yeah, and Gino, tell me if I'm if you think I'm thinking it through this the right way. My sense is today with the professionals we have and they are you know, experts in their field for the city. We can work through this process of what is happening and and how they see it and what this process looks like for residents. A separate question, which will have to be addressed going forward, and we don't have members of council on the program today, but we've seen multiple members of council, four of them, um, you know, essentially call for a pause, raise concerns. um, and, And the sort of the political question of what this means is different than the question of, Of why? Because when I look at the numbers that you're reporting, some of them, some are surprising. Certainly Beechwood, we can talk about that, are surprising. But it's not surprising in that home sale prices have gone up, up, up. We've this has been very well documented. We've been reporting on this for years. So I guess I'm not surprised in that way. Mm -hmm. So I think a 101 this hour. But then the political questions will have to kind of get sorted out going forward here. Sure. What are you hearing from council?
4: Yeah, I talked to Willie Lightfoot yesterday, and he had you know, sent a letter to Mayor Evans and asking for a two-year halt on uh, the assessment. But his, his concerns were that people don't understand what these numbers mean um, and that when these numbers come out, they there wasn't enough education of the process. There wasn't... Um, it wasn't done in a fair manner. These are all claims that he is making alongside um, three other council members. And I, I... I think that it's one of those things where... It can be advantageous to a person at the time to, you know, take a stand against stuff like this. On the other hand, it's he's running for office this year. He, he is running for office is, this year. Um, I, I'm not saying that's de facto the reason he's making. this. No, year. I'm not. I'm not either. But you know, it's I. I. It's always something that, as a journalist, you have to take into account when someone who is a political figure and is running for office comes out and, you know, comes out swinging at the administration, which is not entirely common to, um, particularly Councilmember Lightfoot, to do that often, that there might be another motivation there. But yeah, you know, it, it just comes back to the original point. I mean, these numbers, if you look at them in a vacuum, and when we got them at first, it was like, wow, these really went up. But like, when you put it into the context of what has been happening in Rochester for the past, I would say, like five years, but really the past two, three years, it's not that surprising. These values have gone up. Um, Whether or not the process has worked in a way that is entirely um, reaching everyone where they should be, I would let um, Mike and Enzo talk about that more, about how they've actually approached the uh, appeals process. But, yeah, this is something that was built to become a political football. When you have numbers this large, it's going to be something that— happened. And uh, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. So a couple
0: other things before we kind of work through what our guests uh, want the community to understand. And we're talking about assessments today in the city of Rochester. Listeners, if you want to share your thoughts, uh, you know how to get a hold of us. Connections at WXXI.org is the email. Connections at WXXI.org. Call the program toll free 844-295-TALK. 844-295-8255. 263-WXXI if you're in Rochester. 263-9994. Gino when the pandemic hit, me as a layperson, I kind of thought, well, maybe this will be the cooling agent for a hot Rochester area market. And it wasn't at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, and uh, you know, a year into it, I remember talking to someone who lived in the Cobbs Hill neighborhood, bought a house for 175 <laughs> just over a decade ago, put it on sale for 250 It sold for $350. It sold 100 over asking. Just remarkable. And ta- I remember talking to real estate agents who would say, we are telling people – you're going to have to bid over. You're going to have to show up quick. You're to, you, you don't have a lot of time, you know. And there's been a lot of pressure for first-time home buyers. So now some of the fruit of that looks like this assessment, all the uh, this assessment process. Although we'll, our guests will talk about that. But what I want to ask you about is the fact that I mentioned Cobbs Hill. That's one thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: When you look at Beachwood, it's another. And if your taxes are up 137% in Beachwood, if the average, I think you wrote, you, you write that if it goes from 47.9 as an average. To one thirteen four, and that affects your tax bill, you, you know, in a direct linear way. That's going to well, be difficult.
4: N- not necessarily, though. I mean, the the tax the, your tax bill is set by the mayor sets a tax levy in the the budget. Then the rate reflects what the property values are. So some people's taxes might go down. Some will almost certainly go up. But um, it's 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 really hard to call right now okay. where taxes are actually going to land because I don't have. The budget, the budget doesn't exist yet, so we don't know what that's going to look like. But um, I think that's where a lot of confusion does come into play. That people do see it as a linear connection of: sure, your assessments higher, your taxes are higher, which is true in a lot of cases, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. All right,
0: and, and and I guess the last point there is: I think there will be political conversations about trying to protect residents who are lower income, who maybe you know own a home, but are would would struggle to match if there is an increase in, but that that still has to be revealed. That's not today. I mean, I, I know those are conversations that will likely come. Don't you think? Yeah,
4: it's it definitely going to come, and it's it's not really tangible right now. What what is tangible to me, though, I think what my bigger concern is is that Rochester is not a very high income city, and we're seeing this trend across the country that housing values are going up. But Rochester has been particularly quick in its uptick and they're still relatively affordable houses, but for the average person, this just means that it's less accessible to buy a house. It's they're more expensive. Rents are probably gonna go up. That's also a concern, too. So if we're if we're focusing on like the concern of low income Rochesterians, yeah, taxes are always a, uh, you know, an issue, but there are other factors there too that these numbers indicate that might be Something to worry about going forward. I mean, we we want more home ownership in the city. I would like to own a house one day, honestly. But you know, if the price doubles, and if it continues on an upward trend, it's going to become more and more difficult to do.
0: All right. So let me work through what our guests want listeners to understand, and Gina will help me um, make sure we're asking the right questions here. Mike is our assessor for the city of Rochester. Mike, you want to just explain a little bit about. Um, the purpose of assessments, I mean, it happens, what, uh, every four years? Every four years, yeah. Okay. We've uh,
1: The city of Rochester has completed reassessments every four years historically since the late 80s. So the idea of the reassessment is to bring all the values to 100%. This way, that ensures that there's a fair and equitable distribution of the tax burden between all neighborhoods. Uh, you might see certain neighborhoods appreciate maybe a little bit less than, say, the Beechwood areas. So without doing a reassessment, those more accurately assessed or those neighborhoods that haven't seen as high a percentage increase tend to subsidize the ones that are under assessed. So for services okay, and whatnot. Okay.
0: Um, what does the
1: process to determine these numbers look like? Well, the, the process, it's really a, a four-year-long process every time we do it. As soon as we're done with one, we start, basically start on the next one. And what our appraisers do is they go out and they verify every two weeks, they get a list of sales of properties within their district. They go out and they verify that sale information, and we determine whether or not it's a valuation usable sale. So if there's a deed that comes through with two properties on one deed, we have to automatically uh, eliminate that from, from valuation so and as we go along you know we're we're verifying those sales everything gets put into uh the assessment system and enza can comment a little bit more on the valuation portion of it she's done the modeling for everything.
0: Yeah. You want to take that?
5: Sure. Um, so what we do when we're looking at these sales is that not only do they look at, um, you know, if they're uh, valuation usable, they also look at what was in the house at the time that it sold. So a lot of people are telling me, oh, but that house was really all updated. So yes, in fact, that is, could be the case. So they take into account, are these homes updated? You know, bed- bedrooms, bathrooms, what was the driving force behind it? Um, you know, are these, uh, are the Cape Cads selling more than the ranch homes? Are the, you know, two families what is what is behind this and why do these sell? Once we have a pattern and then we build that, what we call we build the model, we take those sales in that neighborhood. We call it a value neighborhood because so now we have a, a, a sampling, if you will, of, of properties that we look at. And now we say, okay, we have this sampling. Here's the common thread of these sales and these sales show us that this is an adjustment for this type of home. This is an adjustment for this many bedrooms. So we take those sales, we build the model, we bench that to the sale. And then we're, with that data, we're now able to apply that information to the properties that haven't sold using the data from the houses that have sold. That's where we come up with our initial value. Again, taking out outliers, and now we have a good solid uh, base of value and adjustments that we can use to that value neighborhood. So this, this program is designed to specifically um, pull you know the, the most similar properties. Um, once we have all that data... Then our appraisers go out, and they each have a book for all uh, fifty thousand properties that we have at residential. I think it's about fifty thousand. They take each and every one of those houses, and they go by in front of them, and they look at the sales that the, that were generated, and they they make sure that this is what you know what was there, and they do the best that they can to do that. That's it's quite a process for them.
0: Okay, and uh, there's a couple of things that popped to mind for me here. First of all, Mike. Your colleague is describing a a formula, a mathematical right. process. Is this re, is this a hundred percent formulaic, or do you have discretion eventually on any of these numbers?
1: Yeah, no, we do have discretion. Um, uh, again, like the appraisers, like Enzo said, the appraisers do go out in the field. Now that model cannot take into account maybe the the mixed use building uh, right next door to the property. So the appraisers, when they're out there looking at they're looking at the exteriors. If something has changed that we weren't aware of, they can override the value. And again, you know there could be other external factors that may influence the value. So when they're out there, they're taking those into account.
0: All right. And you know and so you you talk about what appraisers are looking at. i'm I'm thinking of that Cobbs Hill house where I mentioned that it sells for a decade ago for $175, gets put up at $250 a couple of years ago, sells for $350. Now, if I lived in that neighborhood and I had new neighbors who paid $100 over asking, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I might be wondering, uh, is that kind of an outlier? I mean, if homes are going for $10, $20, $30, $40 over, over asking, which they have been for a long time, that's one thing. Maybe somebody who ha- is healed enough to do it made an outlier bid that got accepted. But could that artificially inflate the rest of that neighborhood unfairly? Does that happen?
5: We it could have, but we That's what we talk about outliers. We remove those, and that's part of the. It's part of reviewing the sales. We try to get as much information as why things sell for what they do. So there's also very low. Uh, there's also foreclosures and people that buy between uh, you know uh, companies that buy and sell to each other. Uh, so the very low and the very high are typically removed. We're looking at where is the value.
1: But again, that's why we do them every four years. We don't do annual reassessments. We don't do them every two years. A four-year period is a good span to be able to recognize and see what trends are going on in the market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what may be considered an anomaly, you know, if it once it turns into the market and there's other sales to support that, then, I mean, that becomes the market.
5: Right. So that one sale that could have sold a hundred over. Now, if, if, There's more than one, and that starts happening. That becomes our new market. And that's kind of what we've been seeing. So, you know, Mike and I, and all of us, and everyone has been seeing that over, we started to see the the change a little bit. Even after we finished the 2020 reassessment, we started to notice that as we were putting these values on, we saw the newer values coming in and saying, wait a minute, are these anomalies coming in? Um, We weren't seeing a decrease for the COVID. In fact, we were already seeing increases.
0: Did you want to add to that, Mike?
1: No, it's just uh, when we did the 2020 reassessment, we used sales from uh, July 1st of 2019 back to July 1st of 2017. So that's when the market really started to change, probably about 2018. So as Enza said, when we were done and we filed that final assessment roll on May 1st of 2020 and we're looking and seeing the sales coming through, and you know, we realized our assessments were rather low.
0: Mike, what do you think the average person in the public misunderstands most often about the work that your office does?
1: I think it was the, the letter that went out and the um, and the, the tax change. Uh, I think you know a lot of people think what is the city gonna do with all this uh, additional revenue but Suzanne can answer that question I mean that's a budget question that we can only levy so much more than the, the year prior so.
0: Let me articulate something that I hear that comes up sometimes when I hear from people who are frustrated with their assessments I'm sure you've heard this. Well, your assessment office is, is you know, an arm to just aggressively squeeze as much money as you can out. That's w- w- what you're hired to do. And I know you don't feel that way. No. Explain it's... to people why you think that's wrong.
1: Well, that's, that's a common misconception. Uh, I mean, we're out there, again, like I said earlier, to make sure that everybody is fairly assessed. We don't want anybody paying any more or any less than their fair share of taxes. So when we do do the reassessment, it's for an equitable distribution of the levy.
0: Okay. And then you want to add to that? You agree with that?
5: Yeah. I mean, ultimately our job is like Mike said, just to distribute the tax burden. We are just simply reflecting the market. As far as how much money that we're collecting, we, we don't, we have no part of that. We don't have anything to do with the budget. Mm -hmm. We don't collect taxes. We don't give out, you know, none of that. All we do is set that assessment. And, and, and I think the letter too was a little confusing because, you know, it said, you know, it would have increased or would have decreased. I think the confusion in that was is that we were trying to give an estimate of what would happen to your particular uh, assessment, your potential, if you will, uh, bill, uh, which, you know, that I think made it sound like we were – together with that department which we're not we were just trying to give you a projection on how what we did would impact sure.
0: that and so Enza, do you consider your office essentially apart from politics and by that what i mean is when when members of council are saying maybe we should pause this for a couple of years or maybe maybe this is, we have to review this before we move forward do you view it as hey you debate the policy. We're going to bring you the numbers. You know, is that right? Bingo.
1: There's no political influence in the assessment us. office. No, I. You know, I don't. I've been there for almost 29 years. I don't think I've ever seen a mayor step into okay. our office.
0: Um, before I turn over to Suzanne Warren, the budget director for the city of Rochester, do you both want to explain to people if they want to
1: challenge what they need to do? Yeah, what, uh, the informal process is now over with, so we have to move into the formal process known as the Board of Assessment Review. The forms are uh, available on our website, uh, cityofrochester.gov assessment. You can download them there. There's a lot of great information there. There's uh, links to the New York State Office of Real Property Tax Services site. There's brochures, how to estimate the market value of your home. It explains the whole Board of Assessment Review process.
0: Okay, and yeah. um, who adjudicates the challenges? Well, the uh, there's a...
1: a I, have this, p- I have this vision that Mike and Enzo are the ones sitting, <laughs> <you> know, presiding <laughs> high. No? no? No, no, no. So now it, we have to file the tentative assessment roll March 1st with New York State. Once we file that roll, it's out of our hands. We can't touch anything. We can't make a change. We can't change values. We can't... Uh, change any exemptions everything has to be done through that board of assessment review so uh, when who, is the,
0: who is this board of assessment review
1: board of assessment review is basically uh, real estate agents bro, real estate salespersons brokers real estate appraisers uh, it's a panel of five people three to five people on any given day all city residents and what that what happens is the property owner comes in or their representative they state their reasons why they think the assessment should be reduced the city appraiser presents the city position, and then it's in the hands of the Board of Assessment Review. They make the decision. Do at you know point.
0: how many challenges are typical in, in a year of reassessment?
1: Well, 2020, we had uh, 900 applications. Some mm-hmm. of those included some larger condominium projects, you know, of mm-hmm. 100 units that you have to value as one economic unit. Mm-hmm. But um, Is that
0: common as far as you remember, around... Nine hundred. That was a, a little bit low, I think. A little low. Yeah, yeah. it,
1: little it little could have low. been. I mean, it fluctuates. It, it fluctuates over years. Okay. Yeah. So you
0: could, you could get a thousand or more this year. It's possible. Yeah. Oh, it's yes. Possible. Yeah. And and given some of the numbers, it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, how often? What's the percentage of cases where the challenger wins?
1: I've never never really tracked that, um, but I mean, assessments do get reduced. You know, through that process, through the informal process and through the Board of Assessment Review process. You really don't know? I've never, honest to God, I've never, I've never checked it. It Ends a
5: no, you don't know? No, it's not something that, remember, we're not just, we're not trying to tally up, you know, who, who, we won this one. It's just like, it's a matter of, did we get the right value? That's really our goal. So if the board, you know, if the board decides that we didn't get the right value, okay, you know, fix it. You know, it's, it's nothing we keep track of because nothing that, you know, our job is just to get it right.
0: Angela Rollins, director of the Office of Financial Empowerment at the City of Rochester, is that something that you keep tabs on? No. Okay, <laughs> that's not in your <laughs> wheelhouse. Um, no. Uh, all right. Uh, so w- after we take our only break of the hour, we're going to turn over to Suzanne Warren, the Budget Director for the City of Rochester, and we're going to make sure that we understand where the dollars and cents go with this. So if you've got questions about how your tax bill gets affected, I'm, I, you know, and if this is sort of a linear thing or if it's not or what you can expect. We'll try to sort through all of that. And uh, we'll get some of your feedback as the hour goes along here. You just heard Angela Rollins from the Office of Financial Empowerment at the City of Rochester. Mike Zazara and Enza Minio, our assessor and deputy assessor for the City of Rochester. Suzanne Warren, the budget director. Gino Finelli, my colleague, city hall reporter for WXXI News, is here with us. Let's get that only break and come right back on Connections. Coming up in our second hour, a political scientist named Rui Teixeira predicted back in 2002 the Democrats were going to dominate American politics for decades to come. But it hasn't happened. And Teixeira has a new book out saying the Democrats lost the plot on connecting with the working class. We're talking about the class divide and Teixeira's prescriptions next hour. This is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. I promise we'll get to you your emails and, and feedback coming up here in just a second. Uh, Gino Finelli, colleague at WXXI, anything we're missing here as we hear from the assessors that you wanted uh, explained?
4: Yeah, I think the only thing I really wanted to stress too is uh, this uh, post pandemic kind of increase in home values is a national trend um uh, the third quarter of 2022 um from national data it had the highest ever recorded average home rates i believe with about a 450k so the thing that's noteworthy there is rochester is still well below that um so even on the scale of you know affordability among cities rochester is still one of the the more affordable cities even after this assessment However, that just brings the concern of everything in the world is becoming more expensive, sure. and it's, uh, that, that's a cause for concern in and of itself.
0: Okay, and do you know, Gino, um, so the average uh, assessed home went up by how much? What was the number again this year? 68%. 68% this year. Four years ago, it was 17%. Um, is Do you know, or maybe the assessors know, 68%? Uh, is that a historical high? Is that in line with any?
1: Yeah, no, I, I do think yes. it's a, a historical All-time high. All time high. All time high, probably. All time yes. high. Okay. Maybe. Big number. Going back to when the first assessment was done in the late 80s or you know mid 80s, where it was a fractional assessment of maybe possibly 10 or 15%, and then we went to full market value. Okay. It could have been
0: Okay. Big. Um, And so to, to Gino's point, Angela Rollins, is this a concern going forward? that just the reality of the numbers the data and the trends in the market make it harder for the average person to become a homeowner
3: Uh, we definitely hear a lot of people struggling um to purchase that first property but our office is really focused focused on getting folks uh, to a point where they are like mortgage ready helping them improve their credit scores helping them look at their budget and prepare to save But we certainly do see a lot of people struggling to enter the market, um, which is why it's just really important that they have a a really solid savings plan and they put themselves in the best financial position possible.
0: Well, Suzanne Warren, Budget Director for the City of Rochester, um, what do you want to make sure the public understands about this process and what it means for their tax bills in particular?
2: Um, So we're working on our budget now. Uh, Department heads will submit their budget proposals this Friday. Uh, We'll work with the mayor to determine, um, you know, what we can afford next year, what we will potentially look at um, in terms of the tax levy and what will happen to it. We are subject to a 2% tax cap uh, per New York State. There are some qualifiers in there that allow you to, um, if you didn't raise taxes last year, you can actually carry some of it forward. Um, There are some other exceptions that you can use to determine what your tax levy can go up. Uh, the tax levy is one of our three biggest revenue sources. So uh, sales tax, we don't have much control over. State aid, we don't have much control over. But the tax levy is something that we do have control over. And I think one of the things, too, that, that we talk about and we want people to understand is that it's a pretty simple math equation that when you divide the tax levy by a much higher number, the tax rate goes down So if we, looking at the numbers that we have in front of us right now, if the tax shift were held flat and the tax levy were held flat, the actual tax rate goes down by about 37%. So anyone that their uh, assessment increased by 60% or less would see a drop in their tax rate or a drop in their property tax bill.
0: Okay. That's where it gets a little complicated. So let's make sure we got the... Let me give you a a, a scenario and because I think I think what I'm about to say is, is how a lot of people think about this, and then I want you to maybe correct if, if this isn't correct. So let's say that my home was assessed four years ago at 100 k and so my tax bill was X. My new assessment is 150. And I, my assumption is my tax bill is X plus 50%. You're saying that's not correct.
2: That's not true. Okay. Correct. Um, because, like I said, the simple math equation, when you divide that tax levy by a larger number, your tax rate, the, the individual tax rate per thousand is going to go down by about 37%. So, anybody who, someone who had that 50% increase in their tax rate, their, their property tax bill is likely to go down. There are a couple other things that figure in there. Um, The tax shift, which is the the mandated calculation we have to do after the final numbers are filed, um, it's a pretty complicated uh, calculation that we have to take to council in May um, to determine what percentage of the tax levy homestead should bear versus what non-homestead should bear.
0: Okay. And I apologize for getting hung up on this, but I want to make sure, if I'm struggling with this, I think, well, I struggle with a lot of this, but- (laughs) um, so let's say my if I was assessed four years ago at 100, now I'm at 150. It's not your taxes were X four years ago. It's X plus 50 percent. What realistically should it be? X plus what? Can, Do we know? Can well. I- can I break this down for
5: you? is it okay if I break it down? Do you sure. mind if I break it down? Yeah. So here's how I break this down and and to make it pretty simple. So let's just say you your property, that property at a hundred thousand, right? Yep. So let's just say, let's take a round number and say a hundred thousand and let's say the tax rate was twenty dollars per thousand. So yep. you take that hundred thousand, divide it by a thousand, multiply it by twenty. Now let's just say you've got that hundred fifty thousand. You're still going to divide it by a thousand, right? Now you got one hundred fifty, but instead of multiplying it by twenty, the tax rate. Now you're going to multiply it by ten, because now the tax rate's dropped. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. And so now you know, your bill, if the tax rate has in fact dropped, correct, which historically well, they do,
2: it will drop it will. with a larger levy. No
1: larger taxable value.
2: Larger taxable, taxable value. value.
0: So right.
1: when she was saying the larger number. Yeah you know, that's what she's referring to is taxable value.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to ask this a, a, t- a different way then. And again, uh, just before we move on from this and get some listener questions in, um, will just in raw dollars that you owe the city in taxes, forget what the levy is, forget what your rate is, is the average person going to be paying more?
2: I would say no. I don't think so, no. 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 Yeah. I don't... No. I, I do have also... So Bunner County... Right. If you look at their tax levy for 2024, they kept their tax levy flat from 2023 to 2024. Their assessed value went up, though. Their tax rate per 1,000 went from seven dollars and fifty-six cents per 1,000 down to six sixty-five. So, think about that. That's what's going to happen with us.
5: So that was my example of a hundred thousand at the twenty dollars. A rate per thousand versus the 150 at ten dollars per thousand.
0: But people in Beechwood, whose average home went from 47 to 113, their tax bill will go up. Their tax bill will go up. Yes, correct. In Beechwood, so the 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 zip codes with the highest increase will probably see an increase. Is that
1: is that uh, yeah. Yeah, for those neighborhoods that went up more than the average of, I'm looking you know, at Gino's what, reporting. That's Park 68%. Avenue,
0: Cobbs Hill, Browncroft. Uh,
4: well, that that's and, by that that's by dollar change. By dollar change. So by percentage, it was Beach uh, Beachwood, two two areas in Beachwood, North Market View Heights.
1: One four six two one. One four also, six two
4: one. Yeah, and right. I think there was one more. Um, I, I can't remember, but they, they were mainly in the northeast, east main quadrant, uh, um, Beachwood, Marketview Heights, that kind of area. So those,
0: those, are, on average, we'll see their overall tax bill, just the number you owe the city, will go, likely go Correct. up. Correct. Yes. But,
1: you know, if the assessment doubled- Your it, bill it, is not going to double. It's not going to double. Right. And-
5: but let's keep in mind, though. Remember, that's where all the sales were. That's where the data is. That's the sure. reflection of the market. You know, that's not just you know, um, just putting the percent there. That's where all the movement was. That's where the majority, and that's where maybe the, the 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 burden was was someplace else. First, and now we're shifting it back towards. Remember, that's our job is to shift that 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 burden where it should be where is the value supposed to be so there they were 40,000 assessed now they're 115 you know that's probably where they should be now Will they see the biggest change again the next time? They may not. They may Based on the
1: sales. Based on the sales. I mean, if you look back, the South Wedge was a hot area. North Winton Village was a hot area. So now as as buyers get priced out of those particular areas, they will tend to migrate and move to the homes or the neighborhoods that have the lower asking prices. Yes. So in time, you know, every four years, let's say, you know, we see that increase and we see that area grow.
0: Right. But what Mike is describing... This is why the separate conversation that has to happen is the political conversation. Right. Correct. Mike, Enza, Suzanne, they are not in charge of policy. They are putting together assessments, budgets, numbers. What politicians have to decide is if you're in Beachwood and you've gone from 40 to 115 and your tax bill does go up and you feel like you can't afford that, that is the description of when at least those who are smarter than me describe it, a concern about gentrification, a concern that all of a sudden people who've historically afforded to be in a certain place can't feel like they can stay there. Now, it's complicated because it's not linear. Not everyone's going to pay exactly the same. But those are conversations that really aren't for our guests today. I think those are separate conversations. Is that that, that, fair enough?
4: I'd I'd submit, too, that um, the, the, the thing that gets me about the gentrification argument when it comes to this particular assessment is Everywhere went up, so if but not if, the same, not the same. But if you look at dollar amounts, I mean, the percentage went up rapidly in Beachwood, but the dollar amounts compared to Park Avenue was still lower in increase. So it, it's this idea of like, okay, well, if if these neighborhoods are being gentrified, which I believe there are certainly gentrification happening in this city to some degree, but. If you're saying it's just because of the assessments, oh, they're pricing everyone out of the neighborhood, like, okay, but where are people going to go to begin with? Because everywhere went up. I mean, you can't really gentrify an entire city because that's not gentrification anymore. It's just a city, you know, increasing in value. You're not putting an area up into a higher value. The entire city is going up in value. And you look at the suburbs, too. The same thing is happening. So... Um, that that's kind of my issue with that argument, and I've heard a lot of it um, over the past few, week or so, and I, I I just don't think it's the right way of looking at things. I do worry about the cost it is that exists for the average um, young home buyer and the accessibility of buying a first home in the city now for sure, but I don't think it's a targeted pointing at a certain neighborhood of the city and like we're trying to force all the people that are there – for a long time out so we can have, you know, wealthy yuppies move in. Okay,
0: well, so there's, um, uh, we have a lot of feedback. Let me just try to work through some of these questions. Carly writes to say, thank the gods you are doing this program. Well, you have to thank the gods, just thank WXXI. <laughs> Be a member of WXXI. No offense to fence, the gods. The gods are members of WXXI. Uh, Carly says, I live in North Winton Village, two blocks from Radio Social. Bought my home for 105 in 2016. Again, Carly, I'm going to read this. Our guests can't do a like a challenge claim or whatever, but they can give you a guidance for where things might be going. So we we can answer generally. So here's what Carly says: Bought my home for one hundred five in twenty sixteen. This was before all of the bars and nightlife opened the following year. It was just reassessed for two eighty eight. Says, "Ouch!" But is that fair? My neighbor's house, which is bigger and has more yard, is assessed at two twenty two. I'm wondering how that's possible, and should I appeal? Again, our guests would have to know more, Carly. They can't guide you on whether you should appeal or not, but you can appeal if you want to. In general, 105 to 288—that is—is that a bigger? Is that on the high end of uh, of a jump in assessment? No. Is it, no.
1: No. It's you know I had a call yesterday from somebody in that same neighborhood, uh, and what people need really need to think about as well. Um, You know, if you bought in 2017 or you bought in 2016 and, you know, right before the market started to take off, look at all the wealth and equity that you've just built in your home by basically not doing anything. You you know, you bought at the right time and you've gained a lot of equity at the market's expense. You know, Rochester is a great place to live. I mean, employment centers, the colleges, the universities, uh, I mean, Rochester has a lot going for it.
5: And I, I think part of it, and, and, and we've been to some economic forums um, that are talking about companies wanting to come to Rochester um, because people like being here. And I, I know. You know, we would say, oh, Rochester, but people like being in Rochester. And the the difficult is for companies to come here is our housing market is that we don't have enough of it. Um, so hopefully, if if we can, if the if people can figure out how to get that housing market, then we can get companies in here. We can maybe increase our our median uh, salary income. We can be more. Uh, more volatile out there is is with the rest of the country. And, you know, maybe we are going to be a place where people want to come and work and live and and grow their families. Um, I think that's all a good thing. Um, and as far as like, you know, she was saying the nightlife, you know, the nightlife came because all the people were there. So the people came first and usually how businesses work and how that works is first they bring the people and then they bring the businesses. So you guys all came there. You all went to that area and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. These guys are all here. Let's create a nightlife. Uh, so that that's how that kind of works, too.
1: You know, uh, appraisal 101. There's a life cycle of every neighborhood growth, equilibrium, decline and revitalization so i mean it, it you know a lot of these neighborhoods we've seen over the years just follow follow that
0: carly if you do want to appeal the deadline is march 1st no, no. March, no. 19th march 19th by 8 p.m march 19th by 8 p.m um, and i'm curious to know what some of our our guests think of council Member lightfoot his concern is that some older residents may have a difficult time navigating the appeals process what do well, you think
1: You know, everybody's concerned about seniors, of course. Um, We did a report for one of the other council members on properties within his district. So we looked at the assessment last year, we looked at the new assessment, and then we looked at the taxable value after the star exemptions were applied. And a lot of people, a lot of the seniors that are on fixed income, will see their taxes zeroed out. Now, every four years or, you know, when we do a citywide reassessment, New York State tends to raise the enhanced star exemption amount. So any of those seniors that might have still seen uh, a five or a $10,000 taxable assessment, once we get the new rate or the exemption amount from New York State, their taxes are most likely to be zeroed out except for the street cleaning charges, you know, the embellishments and the refuse charges.
0: Okay. Um, and by the way, if you want to see the website to kind of get started with that process, Carly or anybody else, it's cityofrochester.gov slash assessment. They urge it's not just because you don't like your assessment, because you may have some evidence that the new assessment value is incorrect. So um, be prepared. Now, Diane in Rochester says she was prepared. She says, I, appeal, I appealed my assessment four years ago. I provided documentation that the assessed increase in the value of my property was not reflective of other home values in the neighborhood. At the time, none had been on the market for years, and there were no changes to my property. I had a conference call with the board, but they didn't allow me to make my case or respond to the comments they were making. One woman on the board was downright rude. I understand this process is stressful and tedious for everyone involved, including people in the city. But why bother having this process if residents can't be heard? Um, Mike and Enzo, what would you say to Diane?
1: Well, were they heard? What What type of evidence was presented? I, I guess, you know, I mean, that was if it happened four years ago, really don't know. But
5: we, the one thing you have to understand is that we are separate from the board. Um, so the board works on their own. They have their they, they deliberate on their own. We are not in the room when they deliberate. We don't know what they do. The, the board is appointed by council, uh, So we don't appoint the board. Um, so none of the, anything that the board does is, is from us. Uh, the only thing we do is we help, you know, shuffle their paperwork and, and organize the rooms, uh, for the hearings, uh, and make appointments, but they're, they're their own entity. So they make their own decisions. And again, they're real estate professionals, you know, developers, uh, they should be
0: polite though. I'm, I'm sure they will be. I'm sure Diane, I hope you just caught him on a bad day. They should be. Everyone should be polite. Agreed. It's stressful for everybody. Right. It's a, stressed out. Everybody should be. But anyway, it's cityofrochester.gov assessment. You can learn more there. Now, let me get back to um, the city's budget director to answer Jim, who says, I have a fixed income. The fact that my house has increased in value means nothing to me. I won't be able to cash in that extra value. I will only pay more in property tax. I get very tired of hearing that the increase in assessment doesn't necessarily mean an increase in my tax bill. Jim says, of course it will. But again, it's not
2: necessarily true. That's right. Not necessarily true. So can you
0: explain again to Jim why?
2: Um, So if your if the value of your home goes up by 60% or less and we hold the tax levy flat and nothing happens with the tax shift, the tax rate will actually go down and your total property tax will be less. Your total property tax bill will be less. Um, you know, we will make lots of decisions over the next couple of weeks, uh, with the mayor as we, um, determine what we think the tax levy will be. The, the other thing we want to make sure, and, and we haven't touched on this too much, is make sure that you're getting all the exemptions and all the star credit that you're used to, um, that you're entitled to. Uh, we've seen a drop off. In our star revenue, right, so those are the people that still get their star credit directly on their tax bill, make sure that people are out there filing for their star credit.
0: How about a system where it's automatic and you don't have to file? Yeah. We had that. Yeah. We did. We had it. Yeah, we we did. do
5: that for for part of the senior pro. The basic star is automatic once okay. you're on there, and then uh, half uh, the enhanced star is automatic once you sign up. It just renews every year
0: for the senior program. For yes. the enhanced star. For the en- there's enhanced. Two, star.
5: There's two. Ep- there's two exemptions for the seniors. There's our enhanced star, which is the basic star, but it's enhanced because you're 65 and older. And then there's one we call the aged uh, exemption, which is in addition to the enhanced star, you can get the senior exemption, which helps you get more off of your city and school and your county. This will affect your county as well.
0: Mike, you want to add to that?
1: Well, yeah, the, the decrease in star revenue, I think that Suzanne was talking about, is if you didn't own your home prior to February 1st of 2015, we can no longer administer any basic stars or enhanced stars. You would have to go to the star credit program by calling New York State.
0: Okay. Uh, Dave, I'm a squeeze in. David, he says, does every home improvement and every permit pulled necessarily always result in an increase in a home's assessment and taxes?
1: No. No. It, de- it depends on what the improvement is.
5: So let's just say, if you, uh, if you just uh, do repave your driveway, no. If you repave your driveway and do, the w- do new windows, no. If you repave your driveway, do the windows, do the landscaping, change the roof, change the siding, change everything, possibly yes.
0: Okay. Barb in Monroe County saying, I'm curious if the value of properties go down after they had been inflated during the pandemic, and uh, does the city automatically reduce property assessment, or is it up to the owner to have to apply for a reduction, I think, in taxes there?
1: Well, we do citywide reassessments every four years. The first one that I experienced when I was at the city was in 1996, and there's a big reduction in values at that point. Now, I mentioned this to somebody the other day that I mean if you see a trend of a lot of homes in your neighborhood selling for less than what your assessment is, by all means, call us and we will review it
0: can, okay, can but I, yeah yeah, yeah, please I was
2: gonna say um that reval that was done back in nineteen ninety six was a huge reduction in the assessed value throughout the city um it actually increased the tax rate that year uh. I it was the year that I came to work for the city, but um, that we we actually reduced the tax levy that year so that the burden on those homeowners was not as bad, um, just because the the total assessed value had gone down so much.
0: Hmm. Uh, Angela Rollins, anything you want to leave with listeners as we wrap up this conversation?
3: Yeah, I just want to reiterate that if anyone does find themselves in any kind of financial hardship, uh, whether due to the taxes or anything else really, that they're welcome to set up a session with one of our financial counselors.
0: How do they reach you?
3: So they can go to cityofrochester.gov OFE, that's OFE for Office of Financial Empowerment, and they can uh, look at schedule right online.
0: Angela, thanks for making time for this program today. Thank you. Gino, what questions are are on your mind going forward here?
4: Well, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the budget and seeing what kind of trends happen there. Um, And I think that is really the only thing that's going to give us final answers about what the tax burden looks like. But, you know, the other part is, where is this going? Is they going to keep going up year over year over year? Or are we going to have a cooling period? I don't know, but I don't think that we're going to see them going down if you're looking at the national trends and what's happening here. This is just new reality.
0: Well, I mean, it certainly reflects what has been a scorching five to seven years on the real estate market mm-hmm. in our region. I, you know, that can't happen in perpetuity, but, um, and that if that sounds like me running interference for the city, for people who are frustrated, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to be realistic here. I live in the city. I've looked at my assessment. Like, I, I we're all doing that, right? Um, the, the question becomes, what are the, the budget decisions? So, Suzanne, what do you want to leave with listeners as we try to better understand this process?
2: Um, we will present the budget to city council on May 10th. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be working with Gino, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you will. Um, <laughs> you know, it, and I have to say, we will take uh, into consideration everything we can um, in order to make it affordable to stay um, living in the city and, and help those people buy that first home, um, but this this is really a good thing that that our rates um, our assessed value has gone up as much as it has. This this helps to build generational wealth for families. Um, I mean, it, it I understand
0: that point. I can also understand people feeling like this is going to keep them out of buying for the first time, but. That's a separate question that we will absolutely be addressing with members of council, the administration, um, people who work in that kind of advocacy. Um, so a lot of questions. Thank you, Suzanne Warren, the budget director for the city, for being here. Thank you. We'll be in touch with you very soon. Yep. And I want to thank the assessor and the deputy assessor, Mike Cezara, Enzaminio. Thanks for explaining the process. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, they're getting 50 calls a day. And it's that time. <laughs> well, of, if not more. If not more. If not more. Uh, but I do appreciate you being here to explain it. And, and let's stay in touch here. Thank you. you. We got more connections coming up in just a moment.